You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And in this one, we have Celtics, we have Bruins, we have football, and of course, we have the Patriots to talk about in today's episode, episode number 114. Holy smokes, the year is coming to an end, and we are almost at the new year, almost at the channels and the podcast one year birthday. It would be middle of January, I forget when, to be honest. But yeah, in today's episode, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. And unfortunately, baseball, Red Sox, anything to do with the lockout is not on today's discussion tab just because there's nothing really new to talk about. And like I've mentioned, when new things come out in regards to baseball and the lockout, I will definitely be sure to address it. But meanwhile, I hope you had a fantastic week. It's been nice the past couple of days here in New England, and the weather's kind of feeling folly. It's feeling springish. All things considered, though, we are on the brink of winter, and today is supposed to be 60 degrees outside, so it's like, what, what, what is going on? <laughs> like, seriously, what is this weather supposed to be? And I've said this, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, and I know I've said it to people here at the shop, that I will accept cold weather and snow twice a year, particularly snow, not so much cold weather. And those two days a year, one, Christmas, got to have snow on Christmas, right? And the second day, Christmas Eve. Those are the only two. Those are the only two days that I accept relatively cold weather and snow. Every other day, I would like it to be 75, 80 degrees and sunny, and kind of feels like that right now outside. So maybe I'm getting my wish this time around for this winter. But hey, who knows? Hopefully, you had a fantastic week and you have a fantastic weekend planned ahead for whatever you may be doing. Patriots have a big game on Saturday as they go to play the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. The Bruins game for Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens have gotten canceled. The Celtics shoot around today has also gotten canceled as I'm going to dive into the Bruins and Celtics and their situation with COVID in just a few moments. But I do want to thank everyone that attended trade night last night here at the shop. It was absolutely fantastic. It was so fun to see a lot of great supporters here at the shop buying, selling, and trading with other card collectors here in the community. So thank you so much for everyone that was able to show out to trade night. And if you weren't able to make it, 
hopefully you'll be able to make the next one in January, whenever that one is. I'm not sure exactly when it'll be. But yes, let's talk Boston Bruins. And yesterday, the Bruins lost 3-1 to to the New York Islanders, and that is very unfortunate. However, however, they were only playing with 11 forwards. And article from Nesson.com, and it titles, Bruce Cassidy believes salary cap led to Bruins playing with 11 forwards in regards to last night's Islanders loss. The Boston Bruins on Thursday found themselves in quite the predicament. This article is written by Alexandra Francisco 11 hours ago as I'm recording at 11 a.m. So she wrote this and published this at midnight. All right. Boston Bruins found Boston Bruins on Thursday found themselves in quite the predicament. They were forced to play with just 11 forwards in New York against the Islanders after seven players were added to the NHL's COVID-19 health and safety protocols with Oscar Steen being added to the list just 25 minutes before the puck drop. To make matters worse, Steen had just been recalled to give Boston a little more depth with Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Craig Smith, Trent Frederick, Anton Blood, and Jeremy Swayman all unavailable. Head coach, head coach Bruce Cassidy, fresh off a stint in protocols himself, told reporters after that game that a salary cap issue led to the team not being able to get another body down to New York. Now, before I go any further, I don't know how the salary cap could hinder you having lost a player 25 minutes before puck drop because I don't know how fast you can get a player up from Providence to New York. Maybe by the start of the second period maybe I don't know furthermore with reports that the Colorado Avalanche were given an option to postpone their own game it appears the Bruins weren't given that option we're we were given the option to play I don't believe so Cassidy said again that's a question for Don Sweeney the general manager it was not discussed with me I was assuming we're playing all along even with being down one guy My guess is if there was more positives, then that option probably would have been on the table, but to my knowledge, it wasn't on the table. We were here to play. Boston ended up losing the game 3-1, and a lot of it is up in the air as the team looks ahead to a two-game swing in Canada against the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators, but that Montreal Canadiens game for tomorrow has been canceled. I'm not exactly sure how the salary cap plays an issue, plays a role here. Now, obviously, I believe you're allowed to have like 23 guys on your active roster. Obviously, three of them are usually scratches, whether it's, you know, injury-related or healthy scratches. And that could be the reason why. But, I mean, you lost Oscar Steen 25 minutes before the puck dropped. I just, I don't know, it's very questionable. When you have so many players in COVID protocols already, Marchand, Bergeron, Smith, Frederick, Anton Blood, and Jeremy Swayman, your starting goaltender, all unavailable. It makes it very difficult for any team. The thing that I find fascinating in this article is that they weren't given the opportunity to postpone the game. Now, Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche were given an option to postpone their own game for their own issue that they're having with COVID. But the Boston Bruins were not. Now, I'd love to hear from Don Sweeney to see what he has to say. Like I said, Sweeney's the general manager of the Boston Bruins. I'd love to hear what he has to say to see if he was given the option to postpone the game, maybe pu- push it till 
today just to get someone else up here or maybe just postpone it maybe an hour just so that the Bruins can play with 12 healthy forwards instead of just 11. Now, from my knowledge, in sports, you have to play with what is required. If you're supposed to have five guys on the court, you're supposed to have five guys on the court. If you're supposed to have nine guys in the field, you're supposed to have nine guys in the field. Football, 11 guys on the field, got to have 11 guys on the field. That's just how I look at it. Now, obviously with hockey, there's five guys on the ice, three fours, two defensemen, and then your goalie who doesn't count, but your goalie's there. And the Bruins were always able to field that portion of it. However, they only had 11 forwards, which I guess isn't technically under the minimum because you can have a seventh defenseman where you would only end up having a where you only have 11 forwards. So you'd oftentimes see it in the playoffs where a team, instead of having 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies, they may sometimes opt to have seven defensemen, 11 forwards, or 13 forwards and five defensemen. So we've seen that before. But see, the thing here is they are going into the game with just 11 forwards and just six defensemen, which I didn't think was possible. Like in baseball, you got to have 25 guys on the roster. Football, you need to have 53 guys on the roster. Basketball, we've seen teams have seven, eight guys on the roster before, so maybe it's nothing out of the ordinary for hockey to only go into the game with 19 potential, potentially healthy players. So, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm thinking too much about it, but it is kind of fascinating that the Bruins weren't given the option to postpone the game after just losing a player 25 minutes before puck drop, going down a player, an active player, but the Colorado Avalanche were given the option. I don't know the situation for the Colorado Avalanche and their COVID situation. I don't know if it's worse or not as bad. But all I do know is that COVID is going through sports yet again as Bruins having their issue, like I just mentioned. And then the Boston Celtics are being hit by COVID-19 as well as Jabari Parker, Al Horford, and Grant Williams all enter health and safety protocols for a COVID-19 outbreak. Plus, in addition to that, COVID-19 has also resulted in the Celtics shoot-around this morning being also canceled as well. So there are some issues going around in sports in terms of COVID. Football is starting to see it a little bit. Baker Mayfield and the head coach of the Browns are out for Sunday's game. A couple players here and there as well. It's not as bad in football yet, but it could get worse. It could get worse very soon. So all precautions need to be taken in sports, not just basketball, not just football, but all three of the major sports that are going on right now. Celtics, I really do not want to talk about the Celtics right now because of everything that's going on with them. Ugh, I, don't, I don't know. Celtics are very, very upsetting right now. They, I had such high expectations for them, not super high expectations, but relatively high expectations. And they were able to beat the Bucks on Monday, which is a nice win. I feel like that win was a absolute must. Jason Tatum did fantastic, dropped 42 points. Jalen Brown, 19. Grant Williams, 17 points out of nowhere. And they were able to hold Giannis to only 20 points, which is probably the highlight of the whole game, is you were able to hold Giannis to only 20 points in 34 minutes. Meanwhile, your star, Jason Tatum, was able to drop 42. 
I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the Celtics are turning things around because that is not true. That is not true. I do not believe that. But at 14-14, and 14, it's promising. I'll give you that. I'll give you it's promising. They're still 10th. They're in the playing game if the season was to end today. But I don't want to be in the playing game, nor th- neither should you. We should want to be the 5th, the 4th seed, maybe the 6th seed. That's where you want to be. We can accept that we're not as good as the Nets because we don't have you know, James Harden. We don't have Kevin Durant. The Bucks, we don't have Giannis. The Bulls, they have a collection of great players right now on their team. But the Cavs? The Hornets? The Wizards? Come on. Like, the Heat, they have some really good players. They got some young players as well. So, I'll, I'll give them, you know, being above you. I, I can live with that. But, like, at worst, you should be the fifth seed right now behind the Nets, Bucks, Bulls, and the Heat. Meanwhile, here's the 10th seed. Now, I'm not going to try to sit here and go on another rant about the Celtics. I don't want to do that, and I don't know if you want to hear me go on another rant. But if you do, I would sure love to hear it. Reach out to me via social media, at Cartown, or you can leave a comment down in the comment section below if you're listening to this on YouTube. And if people want me to go on another Celtics rant, I absolutely, happily would do that. But with... Without me going on a rant, there's really not much that Celtics to talk about, except they have a big game against the Warriors tonight. Steph Curry is fresh, absolutely fresh off of breaking Ray Allen's three-point record. And the Warriors are 23-5. You're 14-14. What do I expect? Just give me a good game. Please just give me a good game. I don't expect you to win. I don't expect you to blow them out. Just don't get blown out. Don't lose miserably. Give them a good fight. Celtics have always been able to give the Warriors a good game. You know, dating back five, six years. Remember when the Warriors had that, like, unbeaten streak at home? It was, like, 30-something games, 36 games maybe. Celtics were able to beat them at home. Well, in Golden State at home for the Warriors. When they had Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, those teams. Give me and the fans a good game. That's all I ask. Because you got the Knicks, you got the 76ers coming up. Those are some winnable games. This game, if you can win this game and you can win against the Warriors, as good as they are, as great as they are this season, still shorthanded because they don't have Klay Thompson nor James Wiseman back just yet. So that team's only going to get better. If you can beat the Warriors right now, that will be a huge morality boost. That will be a huge confidence boost. And it will give you a little bit of integrity as you go on for the rest of the season, knowing that you can dance with the best of the best teams in this league. And right now, I think that is something the Celtics lack. I know the game on Monday against the Milwaukee Bucks was a nice little sign to be like, hey, they can kind of dance with the Bucks. You know, they're just coming off a championship. And I know the Celtics have played them a couple times this year. They're going to play them again on Christmas Day. But, like, you know, beating the Raptors – cool you know beating the blazers cool i mean you lost to the shorthanded suns and the shorthanded clippers so it's like what are we doing like you beat the rockets nothing fancy beat the warriors beat the warriors you beat a great team in the milwaukee bucks now you got the golden state warriors those are would be two massive wins for your confidence your morality your chemistry your locker room and then take care of business against the Knicks tomorrow because they're n- they're not a good team this year. They're kind of a joke. 
And then the 76ers on Monday who have fallen off a cliff. Then you got the Cavaliers again on Wednesday. So these next five games, or four games, excuse me, if these can all be wins, then you go to Milwaukee, play the Bucks on Christmas Day, and then maybe we can reevaluate the Celtics season come that. But hey, if you get blown out and torched tonight and lose again to the Knicks on Saturday, like I said, like I said on Monday's episode, season's done. I'll still talk about the Celtics because this is, you know, Boston sports talk, Boston Celtics. So I will talk about them. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'll just kind of throw them in, in the, the trash can like I did the Red Sox this year. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe that's what I'll do. I don't know. But with baseball in a lockout, I'm kind of limited on topics here, so I might have to keep talking about the Celtics if I'm being honest. But that is going to wrap it up for the Celtics discussion of this episode. Let's dive into week 15 of the National Football League. Last night, Chiefs and Chargers played a great game, a great thrilling game that ended in overtime with the Chiefs coming out on top 34-28. to Fantastic game through and through. 29 total points scored in the fourth quarter, and then the Chiefs were able to get a walk-off touchdown in overtime after they were able to get possession of the ball to start said overtime. I watched a little bit of it in the first quarter at trade night. Then I had to break everything down, set things back up for today, drive home. Kim was watching a show, so I didn't get to tune back into the fourth quarter. So I didn't get to tune back into the fourth quarter, and I'm glad I did because, like I said, it was a great great game I'm still so the Chiefs defense is still a question mark for me for me they're still a question mark their offense seems to have turned things around but if you look at last night's stats Kelsey 10 for 191 two touchdown Tyreek Hill 12 for 148 one touchdown that's it that's it and the Chargers don't have a good defense they do not they're very small as they have Safeties playing linebacker positions, and it's been like that for a couple of years now. It's good to see the Chiefs, you know, light it up. Patrick Mahomes, 410 yards, but all things considered, 350 of those roughly went to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And the other 60 went to Byron Pringle, Michael Burton, Clyde, and that was really it. <laughs> like, that's really it. So, how serious can we take this Chiefs offense? Now, I know their defense has been has stepped up the past few weeks as the Chiefs have been on their massive winning streak. But in all things considered, they did give up 28 points to a really good Chargers team themselves. Herbert, 236 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. But the nice thing about the, Chief, uh, the Chargers, excuse me, Keenan Allen, 6 for 78 in a touchdown. Mike Williams, 3 for 49. Jared Cook, 3 for 32. Austin Eckler, 4 for 23. And then a bunch of guys, one for 15, one for 13, one for 12. So Keenan, I'm not Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert's able to spread the ball more to other players while Patrick Mahomes is just thrown to the same two guys. Now, obviously, I expect way more out of Patrick Mahomes than I do out of Justin Herbert. But Herbert was able to at least dissect the Chiefs defense a little bit better by throwing here, throwing there, throwing there, not to just one or two guys like Patrick Mahomes was. Now, when you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, two of the best receivers that we have in today's game obviously you're just going to want to feed them the ball especially if they can't stop one of them but in this case they couldn't stop both of them now I think the Chiefs defense has been playing great but also was shown to be 
exposable. Now, the Chargers defense, we've already known they're exposable. So I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to be like, ooh, Patrick Mahomes, 410 against the Chargers defense. Woo. I'm not going to do that because I don't care. Chiefs still don't have a running game. And Chiefs are going to be a good team. They're obviously going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to win a couple games. They're going to be in contention for the Super Bowl. I don't know, though. I don't know. I Nice win against a divisional rival, a team in the Chargers who is butting for a playoff spot themselves. And it was a nice win for the Chiefs because it extends their winning streak. And as of now, as of now, with 10 wins and 4 losses, they move up to number 1 seed in the AFC. Patriots, if they beat the Colts, they will retake the throne. That's just kind of how it is right now because the Chiefs play on Thursday. But the Patriots play tomorrow. So all is good in the world. All is good in the world. And speaking of tomorrow, we have the Raiders and Browns playing tomorrow at 4.30. And the Patriots and Colts playing tomorrow at 8.20. I will save the Patriots and Colts chatter until after I go over week eight, uh, week 15 excuse me, predictions. So let's start with the Raiders and Browns. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea who's going to win this game. Browns don't have Baker Mayfield. They don't have their coach. Raiders are struggling. They are reeling badly. Oh, man. If the Browns are able to find a way to win this game, that would be crazy. Were it crazy? That'd be so crazy if they're able to find a way to win this game. All things considered, um, I think I will give the edge to the Browns because it is home. I think their roster is overall better because the Raiders at six and seven. I just they don't have it. They 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 looked good for a while, but they just don't have it. The Browns need this win. Patriots, Colts. I'll talk about later. Titans, Steelers. Good game there. Steelers need a win. Titans need the win. Oh, man. I don't know. Steelers go on and play a good game against the Ravens, and they lose a game against a bum team. Titans do have Julio Jones back. I don't know about A.J. Brown. Derrick Henry not for another few weeks, maybe. This is a turmoil in Pittsburgh, too. I'm going to go Titans just because, overall, they have a better team right now. And I just don't think the Steelers have enough juice to beat one of the best teams in the AFC in the Titans. Panthers visit the Bills in Buffalo. I'm going to hope the Panthers win, but I'm going to be picking the Buffalo Bills to win that game. Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. Washington's down, was it, Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. So they just signed Garrett Gilbert off of the Patriots practice squad. So I'm going to probably pick Eagles in this game. Regardless of Jalen Hurts' plays, I'm going to pick the Eagles in this game. Texans visit the Jaguars. Do I have to pick? Do I have to? I'm going to pick the Jaguars because they just fired Urban Meyer. And I feel like they're going to have like an internal team meeting. Be like, hey, let's rewrite the identity of this team. And let's actually go out and play some football. So I'm going to pick the Jaguars plus they're home. Cowboys visit the Giants. I'm going to go with the boys. Giants absolutely suck. I think Dallas Cowboys are starting to turn a corner a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I could be I could be capping. But I think the Cowboys will come out on top even though the game is in New York, or New Jersey technically, but whatever. Cardinals visit the Lions after a tough loss 
on Monday Night Football to the Rams. The Cardinals will go out and have a little layup against the Detroit Lions. But be careful. Be careful. Because they are no longer the winless Detroit Lions. They do have a win, so they have to be taken seriously now. <laughs> um, Cardinals, that's an easy one. I think the Cardinals will get back on track, rewrite the ship a little bit, and gain a little bit of momentum as we enter the final four weeks of the regular season. Jets visit the Dolphins. I'm going to pick the Dolphins all day. The Dolphins are on fire. They do not have Jalen Waddle this, this week because he's in COVID-19 protocol. But I still think the Dolphins are a superior team compared to the Jets. And the Dolphins are on a what, five-game winning streak, six-game winning streak at this point. I think it's five. So I'm expecting a nice little win for them in Miami. Bengals visit the Broncos in Denver. I'm going to pick the Bengals. Broncos are a... No, they're not even close to the playoff picture anymore. The Bengals still have a long shot to get in. They need this win if they want to stay in reach of a wild card spot. Falcons visit the 49ers. Good game. Good game. I'm going to pick the 49ers, though. 49ers are 7-6 and six this year. Meanwhile, the Falcons are 6-7, and seven, so it's hard to discount you know, the, the Falcons from a playoff spot because they do have a long shot to get in. But with the 49ers being home, their defense is superior. And that offense for the 49ers starting to look like it's clicking, even though with the, they have a carousel of running backs that they can't really commit to just one. I'm still going to pick the 49ers here over the Falcons. Seahawks visit the Rams in Los Angeles. I will be picking the Rams to win this game. I think the Rams are the superior team. At the beginning of this year, it could have been a coin flip. But the Rams are a much better team. The Seahawks are in disarray. And I'm going to pick the Rams to win this game because they just had the win against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. So kind of turning it around against the Seahawks. Going on a nice little win streak here to really attempt to take the NFC West throne. Packers visit the Ravens, which is going to be a sneaky, I don't want to say a sneaky good game, but it's going to be a good game. Packers, Ravens, two of the best teams in their respective conferences. Lamar Jackson, I don't believe, is playing this week. So Packers are going to have a serious upper hand, even though it is in Baltimore. I will be picking Green Bay to win just because they will have Rodgers and the Ravens will not have Lamar Jackson. Unfortunately, we weren't going to be able to see a really good clash of two excellent quarterbacks. But the Packers are just a wagon right now. They're looking so good and they're playing great football. Ravens. Have been kind of real in the past couple of weeks, so I don't see them coming out on top with a win against the Packers. Saints visit the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay for Sunday Night Football. I will be picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. Brady on primetime. You can't beat it. Vikings visit the Bears for Monday Night Football. The Vikings have a really good shot to make the playoffs still. I do like their chances, although they are 6-7 and seven and they're on the outside looking in. But the seventh seed right now is the Washington football team. So if they do lose to the Eagles and the Vikings do win against the Bears, then we will see a flip there. But you have to keep in mind, the Eagles are also 6-7. and seven. So if they win, they would move to 7-7, seven and seven, just like the Vikings would. So I don't know exactly where the tiebreaker would lie, but the Eagles have a shot to get in as much as the Vikings do as well. I will be picking the Vikings because I do believe they are the better team. They are also on fire. And their offense, although Adam Thielen has been in and out of the lineup, is starting to look like it is clicking with Dalvin Cook. Looking to be healthy after dislocating his shoulder, oh, not so long ago. But that performance on Thursday night against the Steelers showed that he just needed a little break. That's all. 
So just to recap my predictions of week 15 across the board, we have the Browns over the Raiders, Patriots and Colts I will talk about. I have the Titans over the Steelers, the Bills over the Panthers, the Eagles beating the football team, the Jaguars over the Texans, the Cowboys defeating the Giants, the Cardinals over the Lions, the Dolphins beating the Jets, the Bengals beating the Broncos, 49ers winning against the Falcons, the Rams beating the Seahawks, the Packers defeating the Ravens, the Buccaneers beating the Saints, and the Vikings beating the Bears. Those are my predictions for Week 15 in football. Now let's talk about the New England Patriots, which I believe is going to be a great game between them and the Colts. I really do like this matchup on Saturday night football. Both teams are extremely on fire. The Patriots have won seven in a row. The Colts, I don't know how many games they won in a row if they are on a winning streak at all, but they are hot. I believe they started the season like one and four, I want to say, something crazy, and they're seven and six right now. So they're, what is that, six and two in their last eight games? That is very respectable. I do like both teams' chances to win this game. Obviously, it favors the Colts for them being the home team. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, which defense is playing better? Patriots. Who has the better O-line? Probably lean the Colts, I would say. Who has the better quarterback? Carson Wentz looks really good right now. Mac Jones, you know, coming off of his three passing attempts. I, I don't know. Overall, overall, I'm picking Mac Jones. But right now, Carson Wentz is looking very good. He does have a lot that he needs to show and prove. Who has the better running backs? Clearly, you know, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, although Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are doing fantastic. So I will give the edge to Taylor, but you also have to keep in mind Harris and Stevenson are also very good as well. Who has the better receiving group? I don't know. That's kind of tough. I mean, no one on the Colts really stand out. T.Y. Hilton's kind of a shell of himself. Michael Pittman's cool. Mo Ali Cox is, you know, he's he's not bad. You look at the Patriots; they have Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jonu Smith. So it's not like it's the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots are favored in the receiving department, but it's not like they have one or two guys that's you know blowing the Colts away, right? It's not like they have Randy Moss and the Colts just have Michael Pittman. It's not like you know the New England Patriots have Wes Welker and the Colts just have you know, a shell of T.Y. Hilton. So it's it's not close, but it's not far in terms of the receiving department. I really like this matchup. I really do. It's going to be a really good test. A couple weeks ago, they were saying it was going to be a trap game for New England, and I don't think it's going to be a trap game because the Colts have been playing very well as of late. If we do look at the, the wild card picture for the AFC, the Colts are the sixth seed right now. They are currently the sixth seed. And if they win, they'll move to 8-6. and six. If they lose, they'll move to 7-7, seven and seven, potentially out of the playoff picture, depending on what happens with the Buffalo Bills, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos are 7-6, and six, although I did say that they're out of the picture. I'll be honest. I said that they were out of the picture, and I still think they are because the teams ahead of them are better. If they can beat the Bengals... If they can beat the Bengals, then I will put them back into the picture. Obviously, being 8-6, and six, that has to be a respectable uh, a respectable record going into the final three weeks of the season, knocking off a team that is competing themselves in the Bengals for a spot in the wild card because them going to 7-7, seven and seven, the Bengals, is going to be a huge blow, especially when you're losing to the team that's also 7-6, and six, moving up to 8-6 and six where you want to be. I know that might have been confusing, but... Makes sense in my head, and I hope it makes sense for you. If the Bengals 
win, they'll be eight and six. If the Broncos lose, they'll be seven and seven. If the Broncos win, they'll be eight and six. If the Bengals lose, they'll be seven and seven. So one way or another, one team is going to eight and six, and one team is going to seven and seven. And I believe the team that loses that matchup will get knocked down a huge peg and maybe even out of the playoff picture. All things considered. That's why it's a big game, a big week across the board, and I think it's a really big game for both the Patriots and the Colts. Patriots win, they'll reclaim the number one seed in the AFC. If the Colts win, they'll get that much closer to the AFC South division, unless the, unless the Steelers are not able to win against the Titans, because if the Titans lose, they go to 9-5, and five. Colts are 8-6. and six. That division is looking a little interesting now. But I don't even want to think about that because I want to hope and pray that the Patriots are able to win. As we all are, right? As we all are. So, three things that I'm looking for for the Patriots. Three keys. Three things. I like to. I love. I love doing this because it allows me to, when I watch the game, to really kind of sit there and just like really observe the game from a, not an analytical, but an observative, absurd. Ob- observative observational perspective anyways one no order as always there is no order I'm not you know number one is not the most important number two or number three is not the least just one mac jones i want to see mac jones go out there and throw the football now i'm not looking for him to throw 400 yards and five touchdowns no interceptions I'm not looking for that i'm looking for him to throw the ball more than three passing attempts. We need to see Mac Jones, right? We need to see Mac Jones in a hostile environment play against a really good team in the Colts and go out there and be able to win. Now, week five against the Cowboys, he kept the he kept the Patriots in that game. He kept the team in that game. Was it week five? I don't even remember what week it was. I want to say it was week five. Uh, let me get to the schedule. Schedule, was it week five? Week six, I'm sorry. Week six against the the Cowboys. And I really do believe that Mac Jones could have won us that game. And if the Cowboys didn't march down the field to score a walk-off touchdown against the Patriots, that would have been Mac Jones' come-from-behind victory. But the defense let us down. But that's in the past. Let's not talk about that. That's in the past. I want to see Mac Jones go out there, take command of the offense, and have him be the reason why we win. I don't want this to be another game where it's like, you know, 10 to 7, the defense needs to stop, the Colts have the ball with like 20 seconds to go, and the Patriots pick it off for the win. That'd be great, and I'll take it, absolutely. But I do want to see some more growth from Mac Jones. He's coming out of the bye week, as are the Colts. So I want to see the growth in Mac Jones as a passer. He's a fantastic play caller. He can command the offensive line. He can command the offense. We've seen that. But I want to see him go out there and take this game by, you know, I guess in, take the Colts defense by the horseshoe, strangle it, and go out there and get the win himself. Number two, I want to see what the team looks like coming out of the bye. Are they sluggish? Do they have energy? Do they have motivation? Do they have confidence? Are, were they distracted over the bye week? I want to see how this team performs out of the bye week. Uh, like I said, you know, the Colts are coming out of the bye week themselves, so they could have energy, excitement, but they could also be sluggish. They could be slow. They could have been distracted, whatever. I don't care about the Colts. I care about the Patriots. I want to see what the Patriots look like coming out of the bye week because there's only four weeks left of the regular season. 
we got the Colts, we got the Bills, we got the Jags, and we got the Dolphins. That's it. That's it. So if you can win this game, coming out of the bye week, you got three more games. One of them should be a layup in the Jags, Bills, and then the Dolphins are going to be two crucial divisional games. But I want to see what the Patriots look like coming out of this bye week because we've seen it before. They look locked and loaded, and they also look sluggish a little bit. We've seen it plenty of times before, both ways. How is this team, how is this Patriots team going to react? And number three, defense. I want to see the defense slow down the Colts' running game. Carson Wentz, I feel he's playing very well as of late. I will admit it. Is it sustainable for Carson Wentz? I don't know. But Jonathan Taylor right now is a much bigger threat. He's a much bigger weapon. He is a much deadlier threat than Carson Wentz is. And we all we all know that. Jonathan Taylor has up 1,400 rushing yards, MVP candidate, and respectively so. Not, I'm not trying to bury him here. But you got to slow him down. You have to stop him. I'd rather you give up 400 passing yards to Carson Wentz and hold Jonathan Taylor to 50 rushing yards than it be the you know 200 rushing yards and Carson Wentz only has 200 passing yards. Slow down Jonathan Taylor. You know they're going to feed him. You know he's going to get the ball. They're going to try to set up some screen plays to get him in open space. They're going to hand him the ball, and they're going to try to run it down your throat because they know they have the best running back right now in the NFL. That's healthy. Stop him. Slow him down. If you can contain Jonathan Taylor, you, you're going to put the pressure on Carson Wentz to go out there and perform and try to get yards and try to get points on the board himself. And I feel like that Carson Wentz will be able to crack under pressure if the pressure is strong enough. And if you're able to bottle up the Colts' running game, the pressure will build up on Carson Wentz, and I do feel like the pressure will get to him a lot quicker than it will get to Jonathan Taylor because pressure on a running back, as good as Jonathan Taylor, it's not easy to come by, you know, because they're not throwing the ball. They're not making decisions. They just get the ball and run. So those are the three things that I'm looking for. Mac Jones going out there and winning us the game. Number two, how do the Patriots look coming out of the bye week? And number three, bottle up the Colts running game put the pressure on Carson Wentz to go out there and win himself. But those are the three things that I'm looking for. I want to know what you're looking for in this Patriots game. Are they similar? Are they different? But let me know down in the comment section below if you're listening to this on YouTube or reach out to me via social media if you're listening to this podcast episode on audio-only platforms. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast episode as we talked about the Bruins Celtics football across the NFL, and of course the Patriots as we take a look at their game against the Colts. I really think it's going to be a good game between the Patriots and the Colts, not just from a fan perspective of either side, but just as an NFL perspective, just as a fan. This is a really big game, 9-4 and four Patriots, 7-6 and six Colts. Both teams have a lot riding on the line in their respective divisions and of course in the AFC playoff picture. I'm happy it's on Saturday night, primetime game. The whole country will be able to watch and get a taste of Mac Jones, hopefully going out there and performing very well to get the Patriots win. But like I said, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I really hope you have a fantastic weekend. Let's see what the weather is going to be like this weekend. We're looking at you know low upper 50s, low 60s potentially today, 
and Saturday's going to rain, Sunday's going to be cold. So it's going to be abysmal in terms of weather, but that's okay. Enjoy the weather today. Get outside, enjoy the weather today, and hopefully come Monday's episode, we have a lot of great things to talk about. Patriots win, I'm hoping. Celtics win. Um, Celtics wins, I should say, I'm hoping. Maybe an update on the Bruins, and then maybe an update on baseball and where they're at with the lockout between the league and the Players Association. Who knows? But we will have to see on Monday when I check back in for episode number 115 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying today's episode, episode number 114. If you're listening to this episode on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. Comment down below in the comment section. And also, please consider subscribing to the channel if you have not done so already, as I would greatly appreciate your love and support as I'm so close to 100 subscribers. And if you're listening to audio-only platforms, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. That's just a fact, not an opinion. But like I said, it's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I will catch you in the next one. Have a fantastic weekend. Go Patriots, go Celtics, and if the Bruins ever play, go Bruins as well. I'll catch you guys in the next one, but between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.